Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. Bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. Bullshit this is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News. My name is Cameron Riley. We're recording this on Monday the 3rd of September 2018, the year of our Trump. And uh, <coughs> with me, as always, is my uh, <coughs> my other wife, uh, Ray Harris. Hello, Ray. Wow. Hello. 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 My, my, my less sexy wife is how I think of you. Uh, and oh, I can't even get that. That's fine. Joining us today for a threesome, speaking of sexy, uh, all the way from up the road in Brisbane is the Iron Glove. Welcome to the show, Iron Glove. The Iron Fist, Cam. If you, my, Fuck! My, Iron my, Fist and the Velvet Glove. Okay, you're the Iron Fist. Sorry. I'm the Iron Fist. Scott I'm is the, the Velvet Glove. Either of you yeah. could be the Velvet Glove on this particular oh, you know, podcast, oh, if you like. That's sweet. Thank you. The sure. Iron Fist, uh, Trevor Bell, uh, has his own very popular podcast, The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove, funnily enough. Uh <laughs> If you're uh, if you if you're interested in a weekly dose of uh, uh, politics and uh, philosophy and uh, blatant oh. atheism, uh, you should check it out. Yeah, that's a pretty fair description. Good. Yeah, good guys, good guys. Had me on once. We had a bit of an argument. It was fun. Nice guys. It was. We like to have arguments. Yeah. We like to. Um, it, it's good to have a debate and, a, and contrary opinions and thrash it around. So if at all possible, we like to do that. And, and that's what I'm hoping to do here for you uh, today, Cam and Ray, is provide some so, contrary opinions yeah. if possible. Even if I agree yeah, with Tre- you, I'm going to take the opposite Tre- view anyway. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor came over on Friday for a coffee and we, he said, you know, Ray just agrees with you all the time. And I said, yeah, it's because he doesn't have a brain. Um <laughs> He's just, no. a, he's just a sock puppet, but a sock puppet. And uh, Trevor said, "Well, how about I come on, and then somebody can argue All with right. you." And I said, "Wow, that'd be that'd be novel." We, so, we can, um, Ray, we've just got to gang up on him. That's what we're going to try and do think of, today. See think of goes. this yeah, as I'll, I'll, pin, I'll de- pin his arms down. This is debate <laughs> yeah. training, Ray. No, that's rape, not argue, Ray. Uh, think of this as uh, I get those confused. I know you do. I know you do. I know it all so well. <laughs> think of this as argument training one hundred and one, Ray. Um, all right. Now, Trevor also uh, had the uh, 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 dubious honour. Of being the first person uh, in the world, uh, outside of myself and um, and I guess my uh, co-producer, to see the first eighteen minutes of the Jesus documentary, the much nice. rumored Jesus documentary that we've been working on for the last uh, couple of years. So it has um, risen. Yeah, we we've put that a very very small test trial. We just. <laughs> We just put it out to, it's gone out to probably, I don't know, 40, 50 people now. Small group, just to see how many of them came back and went, my God, this is just tragically rubbish. Uh, what the fuck right. have you been doing with your life? <laughs> um, uh, particularly, we want to get in front of Christians to see what their reaction is. Uh, 
Trevor not being one of those. Nonetheless, we, a nice balance. We want to give it a nice balance of people. Uh, fortunately, so far, the feedback, feedback has been uh, extremely high, which is nice. There's, you know, people are pointing out some issues. Apparently, it's a big issue that in some scenes I have a jacket on and in other scenes I don't have a jacket on. That's really throwing a lot of people for a loop. They're very confused by wow. how that could happen. It's a miracle. Even right. Tony Kynaston said to me, you got a jacket on, then you don't have a jacket on. What's going on with that? I go, I was fucking hot. I was standing out in a field for like eight hours. It got hot. I took my jacket off. Why is that Why is that so hard to figure out? Can't, can't they CGI a jacket yeah, back on you that's, for those We scenes? need to raise more money so we can CGI a jacket on. <laughs> Tony You're said, also- I thought it was a gag. I thought the next scene you'd have your shirt off, then you'd have your pants off, and you'd just be in a loincloth. And I thought, shit, that's, oh, not, that that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I might do that uh, when we yeah. do some reshoots. Yeah. Sorry, Trev, nice. what were you saying? Yeah. You were also holding the same coffee cup for the eight hours as well, which, you know, by the end of it, must have got I got a cold. good cup of coffee. I got to drink coffee. I'm out in the field all day. What do you want me to do? Right. Uh, Put the coffee you cup let the away? the coffee go cold. <laughs> no, so you can, no, that's crazy. You th- let the coffee go cold. I had a thermos. So then you can drink the cold coffee in the hot field. All right. I had oh, a thermos. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I kept filling it up. Right. Anyway, people don't want to hear about anyway. this. Um, you will be able to, we will don't be they... making this more publicly available. Keep an eye on deepdivedocumentaries.com. A lot of D right. sounds in that. And speaking of D <laughs> You sounds, had me in deep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Speaking of D, uh, Donald Trump isn't coming to Australia. This is the big news no. here Aww. this week. Now that we've got over the knifing of uh, prime ministers. Um, as part of that, I think it's related, Trev. What do you think? Donald Trump went, he looked at our new prime minister and he went, eh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm coming down for that. Is that is that what happened, Trev? He deals with enough evangelicals and Pentecostals at the moment. He's probably sick of them, I'd say. Our, our, new, yeah. prime minister, our new prime minister, dear listener, for those who aren't aware, is uh, a member of the Pentecostal Hillsong style of church, and that's unusual for us. Our, relig- our leaders have been religious, but more in the the sort of traditional Catholic vein, and this one is, uh, he's got that, he's got that happy clappy stuff going on, and uh, it's a worry for all of us in Australia, it's a new thing, so look out. Yeah, we, we, we like our Prime Ministers to be kitty fiddlers, I mean, this whole non-kitty fiddler style of religion, right. uh, although, to be fair, uh, uh, the Founder of Hillsong, uh, Brian Houston's father, I think his name was Frank, did get charged with kitty fiddling. So there we go. You know, it's, it's uh, in the family. It's yeah, it's not that far removed from. Uh, right. <clears throat> was it fit kitty fiddling or just? Yeah, no, I think it was. It was a kid. Uh, yeah, I think allegedly. No, <laughs> I think he paid him off. Right. Do you know the story, Trevor? No, and I'm afraid to go into it <laughs> for fear of a defamation oh, suit. So, God, so I, God, no, I don't know exactly. No it was, it was, it was, no it was nasty. The Iron Fist, ladies and gentlemen, has shown himself really be a uh, flaccid <laughs> fist. A flaccid pinky. Wet noodle. Um, here, this is what it says in Wikipedia. In 2000, Frank Houston confessed to the sexual abuse of a boy in New Zealand 30 years earlier. Uh, shortly afterward, in response, Brian Houston, who was then also the national president of the Assemblies of God in Australia, dismissed his father. Uh, in August 2007, further allegations emerged that Houston had sexually abused a trainee pastor during counselling sessions in the early 1980s. On uh, uh, 8th of October 2014, Brian Houston admitted to a Sydney hearing of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse that his father was guilty of other cases of sexual abuse against children. 
But he's a good egg. Of course. Yes, my father did all these things, but vote for me. Well, he, well, he doesn't get voted. He's the head of a church. This is uh, uh, oh, not right. the prime Sorry. minister. This is just the guy who runs the religion that the prime minister is uh, part of. Runs the church. But uh, I, I, I do recall, it's not in Wikipedia, but I do recall from previous reading I have done on the subject. Thanks to Adam Shand, who uh, is now one of Australia's leading true crime podcasters, but uh, used to be a journalist and a regular guest on my old show, uh, that uh, when when this the guy that uh, Frank Houston had originally abused came forward and to the church to complain about it, Brian Houston uh, bought him off, bought his mm. silence uh, in the good in the in the great tradition of the Catholic Church. <laughs> Catholic Church. Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, Donald Trump is not coming to Australia. Instead, instead, right. He's sending Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, probably thought Mike Pence was a better fit for Scott Morrison, that they would mm. get along better. Right. Because they're both... Could have been worse. Yeah. Could have sent his daughter. Which one? The one that he's um, sleeping with or the one that uh, he the, the one pretends he, the, he doesn't exist? The one exist? he wants to sleep... Uh, no, the one he wants to sleep with. Right. But he's made quite clear. Right. Yeah. yeah, so apparently Donald Trump uh, uh, was coming or is going to Singapore, I think, for the East Asia Summit uh, and to Papua New Guinea for the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Meetings, literally five minutes up the road from Australia. Uh, I was going to say, he's in the neighbourhood. Yeah. But but his <laughs> the relationship with Australia is so valued by the United States that he was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not, nah. I did. I did see when this news broke. I did see a lot of speculation that it was because the midterms will be on in the United States, and he's got to be there for that because uh, it's not looking good for the Republicans in the midterms. But according to SBS News, uh, he's going to go to France, Argentina, and Ireland afterwards. So uh, instead of going to Australia, so apparently nothing to do with the midterms. Piss him off or scare him. Does he have any golf courses down there? No, I don't think he owns anything down here. Do you know, Trev? I don't think he owns any down here, but we've got some nice golf courses. Uh, I'm sure he'd mm. like them if he came oh. here. But mm. maybe it was just the the heat of the of the protest that would inevitably follow that he thought, oh, I can't be stuffed. I'll just I'll go somewhere else." Yeah, yeah. I think you're onto something. Yeah. Well, well. So very sad for us that uh, hopefully he does come to visit during his uh, dictatorship. Um, we, I think it would be an honour for us to have him here at some point in the next 50 years while he's ruling before he has his entire body replaced by a mecha robot um, and his brain installed in it. Yes. Um, well, the, the other thing rural. is we, we already do everything that, Australia, that America wants. So why, why bother coming down and potentially ruining a good relationship? Well, I mean, I, we're I, already I, complete <laughs> lapdogs, so... There's no point. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. I was really looking forward to the traditional uh, kissing of the ass of the American president by <laughs> Australian politicians. Uh, I always love watching them get their tongue right up there. Um, yeah. I remember Stop when they did that for Obama. It was, um, you know, it was it was demoralising, and I, I love the fact that Australian <laughs> politicians will get down. Literally on their hands and knees, completely naked, oil themselves up, and just present their buttocks to successive American wow. presidents for them to do uh, whatever they want with. 
Well, that's where you've got to admire Bob Brown, where he, in the Parliament, when George W was in town, he basically stood up and abused him and, and ended up, I think, being ejected from Parliament. But he really got stuck into him uh, on the floor of Parliament. Did he throw a shoe? Did he throw uh, a shoe at <laughs> A slipper, maybe, just something soft. But Because uh, <laughs> yeah, Brown's a pacifist, him. so Bob it, Brown wouldn't do anything too violent. No, but you have to admire him. He stood up and said, no, what you've been doing is not on, and he really gave it to him and, and I think got ejected from Parliament for, you former, know, as a result. But former, well, good on him. Former leader of the Greens Party here, Bob Brown, now mm. uh, not no longer involved in politics, but um, yes... Well, in George W.'s defense, he probably didn't know didn't know that he was being told off, so he probably just smiled through the whole thing. So, for him, it was a great time. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to uh, Jack Ma. Jack Ma, Chinese billionaire, founder of Alibaba, um, apparently was recently being interviewed at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Um, Doctor Who fans will know that Davos is named after Doctor Who's um, arch nemesis, the creator of the Daleks. Um, he uh, he was interviewed and he basically took a shot at the United States. He said the United States has wasted over $14 trillion fighting wars over the past 30 years, which it should have invested in infrastructure back home. And uh, that decision to... Waste it on wars, in his words, is the root cause of economic issues the U.S. has, not that uh, China is, uh, whatever, uh, uh, stealing their ideas <laughs> or, or yeah. ripping them off. Uh, Ray, as an American, do you have any thoughts on the, whether or not that $14 trillion could have been better spent over the last 30 years? <laughs> Well, as someone who doesn't hold a lot of stocks and defense contracts, um, yes, I, I think it was uh, spent the wrong way. Uh, but yeah, no, he he, um, he says you know don't blame us. People aren't stealing jobs. It's just it's your strategy, distributed in, in proper way. So yeah, I mean we we could have focused on education. We could have focused on on uh, uh, libraries like. Um, What's the guy in the early 20th century? But the point is, we could have focused on education. We could have focused on healthcare. We could have uh, had uh, infrastructure. Because if, if you know anything about the United States, there are some places where the in- infrastructure in this country, and it's a very large country, is falling apart. So yes, that $14 uh, trillion could have went to a lot of uh, better places, except for the two, uh, I guess, the two coasts, Wall Street and Silicon Valley. So he's right, but I'm... I, I think you would find very few Americans maybe agreeing with that. They'll be saying, well, we had the war on terror. And then we had before that, we had Reagan and we had to stand up for our own. And then Bush in between with uh, what was going on in the Middle East and Iraq. So it was money that had to be spent. I don't think you're going to get too many Americans, even the ones who could have benefited from this, uh, to agree with that statement. What do you think about Jack Ma's statement, Iron Fist? Well, Flaccid pinky? <laughs> Before I go on, I want to know, Cam, what's your opinion? Because the whole point of this is I want to disagree with you. So what? Oh, okay. Do, 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 what, what's your thoughts? <laughs> you want me to state my position, and then you will take the contrary position, like high school debate club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do that. 
Yeah, look, well, Ray and I um, do this show called the uh, Cold War, uh, Trev, and we, we've discussed a lot. I did three hours uh, early on in that series talking about the economics of uh, war and the way the military-industrial complex in the United States in particular uh, profits from perpetual war, military Keynesianism, uh, particularly since World War Two. Um, and in our bullshit filter, we've we've talked a little bit about that as well when we did the Syria uh, civil war series. And I think Jack is right. Now, certainly um, the US can argue that the spending of these funds have enabled them to maintain an element of peace, particularly for their own country, although I don't know that they've been threatened with a lot of... Uh, invasion uh in the last (laughs) uh 30 years um they could justify it as about maintaining their economic hegemony around the world and that it was an investment to maintain that uh and and there may be elements of truth in that but we also know that the military industrial complex in the united states is massive and as we've explored looking at the data on it in the Cold War show, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses, large and small, spread right across the United States, who rely heavily on their annual dispensation of funds from the Pentagon. Uh, And these are companies, not just weapons manufacturers, as you might expect, but people that provide everything from food, Condoms, pencils, computers, software, shoes, uh, clothing. Clipboards. Yeah, everything and anything that needs to uh, keep a military base, one of the hundreds of military bases that the United States has around the world, running, as well as all of the people engaged in uh, running the military uh, and the the Pentagon um, at home domestically. So there's definitely a combination of those going on. Um, that said, the U.S. economy on the surface seems to be doing well, if you read the headlines. Dow Jones is an all-time high, unemployment's at an all-time mm-hmm. low, et cetera, et cetera. Um, although, at the same time, I read that uh, you know we're very close to another uh, collapse of the U.S. economy like we had uh, 10 years ago, because a lot of, uh, it's, it's, it's another bubble. Um, and I don't profess to be an expert on the stability of the economy because, quite frankly, I have no money. Um, so what the hell do I know? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my take on it, Trev. There's probably a lot of truth in what Jack says. What do you think? Take the contrary position now, uh, Trevor, mm. on three, two, one, go. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's a little bit misleading what he's saying. So the implication See, is... Th- that's how you do it, right? You just start everything off with that. I think it's a little bit misleading. The implication is, just write that down, right? This is your job for next week. (laughs) The implication is that that, that Americans have been spending uh, far too much money on military uh, matters, and as a consequence, they haven't been able to spend money on infrastructure. That's the sort of gist of what he's saying. But what you could argue is that really America hasn't been spending that much money on the military, and... And the reason why they haven't been spending money on infrastructure is for other reasons. So I was looking at some statistics, Cameron Ray, because um, I thought, Ray, you might take that position. And 
Sure. If you look at the actual dollars spent by America on its military, I mean, it's, it's an enormous number. But when you actually put that as a per capita amount, then it's not so big. So uh, currently, the US military spending as a percentage of GDP um, is 3.1. Um, it, back in 1987, so 30 years ago, it was 5.9. So it's actually decreased significantly. And if it's currently at 3.1, and the NATO agreement, I believe, says that you know the NATO allies are supposed to spend about two percent, so you know we're not really uh, you know in extremely high territory, 3.1 versus two percent. And other you know the world at the moment apparently the average is 2.2 percent of GDP. Australia currently spending about two, uh, Germany 1.2. I mean. So if you're looking at a, you know, based on the size of the American economy, then the amount they're spending is not that high a figure. So that's sort of point one, I guess. And the other one would be that um, what he's saying is that it's because of the high military spending that America hasn't been spending money on infrastructure. But what you could argue is that the reason infrastructure spending is so poor is that just Americans don't pay enough tax, full stop. So if you look at the tax rates of OECD countries, then America is, is you know, down there with Singapore as one of the lowest taxing countries. And if they were collecting tax like other civilised countries, they could do all the military spending they're doing now and have some money to spend on infrastructure. So... The real problem isn't so much military spending as they just don't tax enough to collect enough money to spend on infrastructure. So there you go. How's that? I have a rebuttal. Mm. Um, I hope we take some of the money that we're spending on our military and use it against you for recommending that they raise my taxes. No. Um <laughs> Uh, the, the other part of what uh, Jack Ma said was, and, and he didn't he didn't address this specifically, is that all those people that Trump said, you know, when he was running for president, the, the forgotten people, I'm going to take care of you. Now, obviously, he didn't mean that because billionaires don't look out for people that uh, struggle from paycheck to paycheck. But a lot of those people that have jobs, the unemployment being as low as it is, a lot of those people that I know that I don't live in a large city, I don't live near a large city. Charlottesville is not a large city. Um, there's a lot of people around here that have two jobs, um, that have two jobs and do things on the weekends or, or uh, like I had one guy come buy my house and pick up some trash and I just gave him a couple bucks uh, um, for, for that service but the point is there's a lot of people that are struggling in this country and if you ever tr drive through the south I last year drove to New Orleans through the south and um, a lot there was just a lot of uh, a lot of places that could certainly use um, a facelift some spending some infrastructure and you're probably right we certainly don't tax as much uh, because we see ourselves different from uh, all of other countries, so we, we don't we don't go in for that socialized stuff. Even though I happen to think it's a good idea personally, so I uh, I'm going to get really paranoid here for a second and say Jack Ma is an agent for the for China, and he wants us. He's trying to trick us into spending less for the military, so then the Chinese can take over. How's that? <laughs> that 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 could be true, but just you know, f f the reasons why people don't have money in 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 those parts of America you're talking about, it's just low wages. So, you know, if you yeah. paid proper wages, Absolutely. then the corporate profits would be less. But, you know, that's the fundamental issue there is that just your wages are way too low. So I've got a, I've got a 
a list from uh, Statista here of military budgets as a percentage of GDP. This is from 2014, so a few years old. Um, starting at the bottom uh, of this particular table, uh, Canada, 1% of GDP. Germany, one2 Australia, one8 China, 2.1. United Kingdom, 2.2. Turkey, 2.2. France, 2.2. India, 2.4. United States, 3.5. Russia, 4.5. Israel, 5.2. And Saudi Arabia, 10.4. Damn. So, you know, the United States... The United States is one of the higher ones. But if you take into account that... You know, they are the world's policemen, and heck, everybody hates them now. So, you know, you've got a high threat sort of rate happening. So it, you could justify a, a slightly higher percentage based on the fact that your history means that there's a lot of people out to get you. I thought the United Nations were the uh, world's policemen. I don't remember voting for the United States uh, to take that role. <laughs> it's the sort of thing where you don't vote. We didn't but- ask. He didn't ask. We didn't ask. Who's policing just the policeman, Ray? That's right. Nobody. Yeah, Saudi Arabia yeah. Uh, and Israel, um, obviously countries that uh, have quite a, a heavy military inv- ongoing involvement in their particular regions, have had for a long time. Um, not surprisingly, uh, I think they're the countries that rank number one and number two in terms of arms deals with the United States. Yes. Uh, it's, um, Russia, uh, interesting uh, level of military spend, and we know that the Russians have always spent a lot on military, particularly since uh, World War II. Um, uh, but, yeah, you look at those numbers, 3.5 compared to, let's say, the United Kingdom, Trev. It's uh, 50% more give or take, than other developed countries like the United Kingdom, France, um, Australia, Germany. It's three times Germany's uh, spend. Sure, but arguably those countries are spending less because they know that the US is spending more. So, you know... Right. Which that's but tr- I that, think that would be a Donald Trump argument, I think, Trevor. You're agreeing with look, Donald Trump if on it, that. If it, if it was, it would, if it was a Donald Trump argument, it'd be one of the few times that he could be correct. So, you know, there's that. Right. Okay. I, I mean, the world's policemen, in their situation, when you're the preeminent power, it, it's, it's not, it would be unusual for them to be one of the lower rates. Like, it makes sense that they're one of the higher rates. <laughs> the world's policemen. <laughs> who, who says they're the world's policemen? Well, they do. I mean, that's, uh, that's, we do. it's the family business for Americans, you know, so you've got to take that into account. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's so true. And we've, yeah. been, we've been exploring this just in the last couple of weeks on our Cold War show. Uh, obviously, the United States didn't see themselves as the world's policemen until the late 40s when Truman came out with the Truman Doctrine where he said, okay, well, now we're going to be the world's policeman. Basically, that was the <laughs> the essence yeah. of the Truman Doctrine uh, condensed down to a few words, right? We're going to be the world's policeman, which was, which was shocking for Americans at the time, as the current level of taxation would have been shocking to Americans at the time, because I think I read you out a, 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 mm-hmm. a list of the... Uh, 
levels of taxation in 1947 the other day, Ray. We were talking... It was staggering. I think it was uh, anywhere from like 68 to 92% was the income yeah. tax that Americans were paying depending on their salary uh, in uh, the late 40s. That's insane, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing, because in the, in the Cold War, it's literally Truman going, are we going to go back to the way we were, or are we going to check the Russians? Hopefully, we don't have to spend too much, but we are going to be more proactive, and we are going to spend some money, but hopefully I can still balance the budget. And as we've seen from that moment to this moment, that has completely gone out of whack. And and, and like you said, Trev, um, we've upset a lot of people over the decades by interfering, intervening to maintain our uh, economic empire. So bad decisions, bad results. When is someone going to have the intelligence besides Donald Trump uh, to say enough is enough and let's let's rethink this entire process? Do we have to be the world's policemen? Um, but it feeds our ego. So I have a feeling that's going to keep going. But you're right. The United Nations are there. What are they doing? Hey, hey Ray, help me out here. When thinking of infrastructure in the US, when, when were the, yeah. the, the halcyon days like the interstate highway system is is sort of thought of as a great period of infrastructure oh, Route building. Route sixty six. What, what, yeah. what sort of yeah, year Route- was that? What what time period are we talking about? Um, uh, this is not exactly my area of expertise, but I know what that is, there was a lot of building. What is your area of expertise, Ray? Because you you say you know a lot. What? This isn't my, and I was wondering what is. <laughs> um, how to get off while not getting her off and be asleep in two minutes. <laughs> Did you want me to be honest? I'm sorry. We can edit that out. The interstate highway system was authorized on June 29th, 1956 by the federal I was going to say 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure you were, right? Yeah. Okay, so in the, 19... the federal aid highway act of 1956. Okay, so in the 1950s and 60s, military spending was a higher proportion of GDP than it is than it has been in the last 30 years. But America was able to build that infrastructure because they were collecting more tax. Ah. So if we're not spending as much as we think we are on military, why can't we give our federal employees a 2.3% raise next year because Donald Trump has killed that but we can give a big massive tax cut to the rich rich and I and I know that uh, I'm being sarcastic mm. Mm. which is why I'm moving to Australia as soon as y'all get a, an, a semi-effective leader I'm moving down there in World War two defense spending in the US peaked at 41 percent of GDP then declined Damn. to about 10% during the height of the Cold War. Thereafter, it declined 3 to 5% of GDP with surges during the 1980s and the 1990s, according to the website usgovernmentspending.com. Hey, you guys know a little bit about the Roman Empire. What, a little bit. What was, the, what was the percentage of GDP you spent on military stuff during the Roman Empire? Mm, yeah, good good question. I don't think anyone has any idea what the GDP of the Roman Empire no. was. I, I found a figure that, that said 2.5%. I don't know how they would have come up with that number. No, I can't. I mean, what records do we have to figure out what the GDP was? 
And you have to remember, sometimes when there was an emergency, the Romans would look around to various allied tribes and go, we need you to donate men, horses, food, cattle, wheat, whatever. And so even if they had numbers, which they probably did not, it wouldn't reflect, it wouldn't be accurate because they got others to contribute because they were loyal allies of Rome. So those stats would go out the window. And we know, I mean, we've we've just finished our Augustus series recently, and Augustus was uh, quite often covering the majority of the military budget out of his own pocket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> large part of I got this. 40 years. I got brain. this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Does that factor into a percentage of GDP if he's paying for it personally? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Be anyway, let's move on. Interesting. That's yeah. Jack Ma's perspective anyway, taking a crack at the Americans. Um, By the way, did I, of- before we go on, did I change your mind or mm. not? Did you start to think, well, uh, maybe Jack Ma's speaking shit? Uh, no. I, no. I mean, I think that uh, Jack Ma's got a valid point. America could have been spending that money in other places. You're saying, well, as a percentage of GDP, of it. it's only twice as high as the rest of the developed world. 50%. Uh, <laughs> Fifty well, fifty to twice to three justifiable fifty percent. Um, and that, uh, it, Jack's point is still valid that they've spent all of this money. And a lot of cases, if you look at the wars that the US has been involved in in the last thirty years, most Good of them are pretty pointless. What what yeah. wars have they been involved in in the last thirty years that they couldn't have avoided and spent that money in other places? Oh, look, I agree with you. I just want to check whether I changed your mind or not. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I think, you, I think you added something to the conversation, though, Trevor. You actually brought something to the table, which uh, is, is, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat, uh, I'm sh- I don't know what to do with that. I'm shocked you brought data <laughs> to the conversation. You did some homework. Mm. Yeah, what, what is this? Uh, what kind of <clears throat> black Sorry. magic is this? Let's move on. Next topic. Hurry up. I've got, to get, I've got places to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know how I feel. Uh, Social Wealth Fund. Your, your podcast go for three hours. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you settle in, son. When I went on your podcast, we were there for hours and hours. Why and do you, you think this is going to be a hit and run? And you whinged like a baby as well about it. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Hurry up. Social Wealth Fund. Um... I was reading a story that was in The Intercept this week that I thought was interesting. A social wealth fund could be the next big idea. Basically talks about this idea of putting money into a fund that everyone, all citizens have a share of. That fund then invests in infrastructure, um, in, in businesses, in, uh, I guess it's, it's kind of like a form of superannuation fund in a way. But uh, they're talking about the idea of uh, moving towards this as the the economy gets tougher and tougher for most of the lower social economic classes, and using mm. using uh, like a massive investment pool for the citizens uh, to fund all of the other projects in the country, uh, and and they, they talk about. Some other countries that have sovereign wealth funds as opposed to social wealth funds as an example of how that might work. They talk about uh, in Alaska, there's something called the Alaska Permanent Fund, 
says uh, where the citizens' wealth is invested in different projects. There are more than 70 such funds across the world in countries like Australia, Japan, New Zealand, Qatar, and Norway. And it's apparently a bit of a rising trend. Are you familiar with uh, the Australian Social Wealth Funds, Trev? Come across that in all your podcasting? Uh, we haven't mentioned it in our podcast, but I am aware of it. And it's small scale at this stage. The reason it was in the news most recently was that the Adani coal mine which uh, most people were against because we figure we don't need more coal mines, we need less, but they were trying to get a loan from the Sovereign Wealth Fund and people were saying, hang on a minute, that's not why we have a Sovereign Wealth Fund to provide loans to to coal mines. So that's why it was in the news, but it's fairly small scale at this stage and I don't think particularly well-funded, not like the, the, the Norwegian Wealth Fund, for example. The Norwegian Wealth Fund, I read, has funds in the vicinity of seven hundred billion U.S. dollars. Highly popular, I believe, over there. Any of our Norwegian wow. listeners can send us a message, tell us what you think of it. It's got a, an ethics committee that oversees how it invests its money. Um, so yeah, it seems to be seven. The one in the Alaska has been running since the eighties and pays an annual dividend to all citizens, I believe. Actually, the Norwegian yeah, one has got one trillion in assets, and it's worth oh, wow. one hundred and ninety-five thousand per Norwegian citizen. Wow! But the reason they've got so much money is that mm-hmm. they tax uh, drilling companies in the North Sea. They pay seventy-eight percent tax on income, compared with the corporate tax rate of twenty-eight percent. So they hit them hard. But there's obviously enough money in it that these, you know, oil companies continue to yeah, extract the oil. It. So it's um, it's pretty clever. And it's only been going since 1990. It's not that long. So they've amassed a lot mm-hmm. of money in a short period of time. Well, that was the interesting about the uh, Alaska one. Like Cam said, it's pretty small. It pays, you know, like roughly a, just over $1,000 a year. It has gone up to $2,000. So it's it's certainly not going to, to change your life, but it certainly will help you through, uh, I guess, hard times. But uh, which just shows you, again, how much money these corporations and other uh, these natural resources that, that can be made, that they can tax them like this, and still the company still makes a lot of money, and obviously they keep doing it because it's worth it for them. So... Um, I, I found the whole aspect about, even though it, it doesn't seem to be as true as the perception in America, like, you know, within 50 years, robots are going to be doing my job. I won't have a job. I need something or someone to take care of me. Uh, and, and even if it doesn't happen within 50 years, maybe it happened within 100 years. Who knows? But the point is, I think it's wise for the government to come up with something like this to be able to take care of us as technology can do more of our jobs and suddenly we're just sitting around staring at our navels it'll never happen in america in a significant way they just but alaska is in america right but in a but in a significant way it'll never happen because it requires an increase in tax which americans just won't agree to large scale and large amounts Although they did once before. For the Alaskans. 50 years, 50 years ago, they were all for big taxes. 
Back in America's... Yeah, we, mm, I'm pretty just, sure just, when Donald Trump's talking about make America great again, he's talking about the 50s, which so was the era the when they had massive, massive taxes. Mm. It was a different world then. Yeah. Yeah, for everybody but him. Yeah. Mm. I read in um, Huffington Post that uh, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign considered a policy around a social wealth fund. They were going to call it Alaska for America. But in her uh, biography, what happened, um, the answer to it, it was a very short book. It's just one word. She just said, Putin. That was it. What happened? Putin. Putin stole my election. Uh, but she also apparently in another page of that said she could make the numbers work when they were looking at a social wealth fund. So there has been some exploration of it. I call bullshit on that. I think she mentioned it because it sounded exciting and it and it keeps her in that costume of being left of center. But I think with, uh, and this is just my interpretation, my spider sense, I think she just called it out to get credit for it, but then poo-pooed it to make the people who actually have money that would donate to her if she ever ran again or heard certain causes just so she could cover her ass. She could make both camps happy. But when I read that, that we, yeah, we looked at it. We got excited. We, we, me and my husband sat down and we talked about it. We just crunched the numbers and we couldn't make the numbers work. I, I don't know. It just felt like bullshit to me uh, that she wanted credit for trying to make it happen. And it like somehow she just couldn't figure it out. So it shouldn't be done. I just call bullshit. I think the I think the problem with that is when she was um, talking to Bill about it. It was on the phone, and he was getting a head job from an intern <laughs> at the time. And no. so, well, it is hard to think when you're, yeah. yeah. And I, I want to give a shout out again. I think I did this recently uh, on Facebook. But if if you're not listening to Slate's Slow Burn podcast right now. It's the one podcast, apart from the uh, Iron Fist and the Flaccid Pinky, that I would recommend. Um, yeah, you should be listening to, apart from our shows and Iron Fist's show. Um, the current season they're doing is about the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And they're going through it like we would, Ray, step by step by yeah. step, telling every little part of the story. And it's fascinating um, and I was just listening to the episode uh, this morning. I was at the gym. I was listening to the episode where Bill Clinton's on the phone to Dick Morris, his uh, number one inside guy strategist, getting blowjobs. He's getting a blowjob from Monica uh, while he's on the phone to Dick Morris. And it's a lot of, and they're talking, they're like, this is in the middle of. Uh, Ken Starr's uh, Whitewater investigation. Oh. Clinton's got all well, of his stressed. Clinton's got all of his staffers, lawyers running around trying to defend his reputation. Meanwhile, <laughs> he's sticking cigars up Monica Lewinsky's twat and getting blowjobs from her in the White House while he's on the phone doing deals. Oh. And, in, and the guy who hosts the show is interviewing one of Clinton's, I think, counsels or lawyers at the time. And she's like, I just... When I found out later on that while we're <laughs> running around trying to defend his administration from these legal attacks... He's getting a blowjob from an intern. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this man? Um, it's a really okay. it's a really great show. <laughs> okay, Trev, I got this one. Okay, first of all, <laughs> being investigated is very stressful. 
Step two, blowjobs are known for relieving stress. Step three, or, or point three, um, middle of the day blowjobs are probably the best. I don't know, it's probably cut up there with the first thing in the morning. But the point is, this guy was very stressed and he needed to clear his mind so he could go on trying to fight to save his reputation. Yeah. Mm. Cam, you were asking so before anyway. what was you were asking before what was Ray's speciality, and I think we found it. Yeah. <laughs> Blowjobs in the middle of the day, and funnily enough, Ray's at home in the middle of the day while his wife's at work. So I don't want to ask too many questions. I know he has a pet dog, um, I'm <laughs> and he lives out in the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep saying to Ray, "What are you? What do you do all day?" He's always, "I'm too busy." What do you do all day? That makes you so busy and you can't do some of the uh, work that uh, we need. And, and I think I've just answered that question. <laughs> anyway, does anyone... Well, I, need, I need a nap afterwards. Go ahead. Do, does anyone have any uh, insights or issues about the idea of a social wealth fund? Why it wouldn't work? Why it shouldn't work? I think it's a great idea, but you need a government with the with the guts to actually increase tax to to fund it. So you know the Norwegian case shows you need a relatively high rate of tax to put a good amount of money into these things, and it's whether the the government of the day has has the intestinal fortitude to do that, and most don't. So <laughs> uh, I think in, well, in as an American, I'm sorry. You know, you go ahead. Uh, as an American who are accused of being lazy. And there's a certain truth to that. If, if, if you told the average American that the government was doing something other than social security to be able to give you money once a year, I would imagine some Americans would get even lazier, but that's just based on firsthand accounts of living in this country for 51 years. You, but that's probably true. The world over. I don't know. Really? You think people would be lazier? I, I think I think there's a chance. Um, how should I put this? Certain people that I know, and sadly, am related to, in certain areas in this country. Um, yeah, I mean they li- they live absolutely poverty now. But the idea of getting I don't know a thousand or two thousand dollars a year. I don't know. I, I it, it wouldn't help them. Um, stay focused. Get up in the morning. Go out and work. But but I could be totally wrong. Wow. I don't know. Ray Harris is accusing other people. <laughs> Of being lazy and not doing any work. You heard it here, people. This is... Uh, this is. I'm, I, I don't know what to say. I'm just I'm shocked. <laughs> I, think you've, uh, I think you've already put the nail on the wall and hung I've, your hat on it, Cam. I don't think you need to say anymore. I, there's a pot over here and a kettle and they're just... They're going at it. I can't... Wow. Wow. Oh... Once you get a dog and, and you fall in love with that dog and he falls in love with you, you'll find out how many of your hours each day are, are taken up I, through companionship. I personally don't subscribe to the theory that um, some form of uh, guaranteed social wealth fund-based income uh, would make, or, or, or a universal basic income, which is, I guess, a similar idea, would would mm-hmm. make people lazy. I think people, uh, people tend, most people, there, there, are, there, are, there are exceptions to the rule, right? But my experience is that most people do things that they find enjoyable and challenging, uh, that they have an interest in, uh, and they will work for the for the 
challenge of it if they are presented with the opportunity to work in an area that they're interested in. Yeah, they're not going to go and sit in a, in a shitty desk job in a grey, bland corporation doing bullshit busy work that they hate if they don't have to. But everyone has something that they enjoy doing that can add value to society, provide a benefit. The problem with our society is we've lost the ability to connect those people up with a way to do what they enjoy and find fulfilling that also benefits society and can provide uh, an income for them at this stage. Some Some people are very lucky, like my wife, is a violin teacher. She loves doing that. Uh, it's her passion. She doesn't make a huge amount of money from it. You don't. You're not going to get rich teaching four-year-olds violin, but it's something that she does. It brings in brings in an income. Uh, I get to do mm-hmm. what I get to do the things that I love. Again, we don't make a huge amount of money, but we we get to do it. Uh, I think maybe these sorts of ideas or opportunities for us to reevaluate, re-engineer the relationship between. Uh, people and their energy and their effort and their work and how they add value in the marketplace. Mm. Trev, Trev, I was going to say something mean to Cam, but you go ahead first. Actually, I have to agree with Cam on this one. I think uh, if you take, for example, in Australia, we've got a fairly generous social security system. And if people wanted to, you know, fake illness, injury, or just an inability to get work and and go on to unemployment benefits, you, you could do it. Like it's, if if you if you really were just lazy and wanting to sit around and do nothing, then a lot of people could engineer a situation where they collect welfare. But you know, most people don't. They're happy to do something and earn an income. And so, yeah, I, I tend to disagree with what you said earlier. Ray, about people just being lazy and wanting to then goof off if they had the chance. I think um, people have an inherent desire to do something. And Ray was just speaking from personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is you've set up a social security system for Ray that, that, you know, you're running your own little experiment here. (laughs) You're you're at fault here. It's It's your fault. Cam for actually setting this I've up. I've created for Ray. a social wealth fund for Ray, and and I feel good about it. I mean, you should have seen where Ray was at when I met him. Like he was, it was sad, it was miserable, and I feel good about helping him. You know, stay calm, stay calm. <laughs> Let's move on before we run out of time. <laughs> Yes. So many stories, so little time. Harvey Weinstein's money is still good for something, boys. I, I'm, I hope you. Uh, I hope you'll take solace in knowing that uh, being rich in America can still be useful. Still pays. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter how badly your brand has been tarnished. If you have money, you can still buy support. Now, story has emerged that, um, well, let's go back a little bit. So I think uh, earlier this year, there was a story that um, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer, David Boys, <laughs> yeah, boys, that's what Harvey Weinstein says every time he sees his lawyer. Yeah, right. boys. He gave $10,000 to Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., Mm-hmm. In the months after Vance declined to prosecute Harvey Weinstein on sexual assault charges, <laughs> I thought now, he got more. But 
10,000 spree. Yeah, 10,000, right? Like, that's what he's bought for? Now, there's no yeah. suggestion. Now, maybe he just uh, decided of, of his own uh, uh, volition right. independently. There's no good reason to prosecute an upstanding American citizen like Harvey Weinstein. Mm. After all, he gave us all of Quentin Tarantino's films, Kevin Smith's films, uh, uh, Matt yeah. Damon and Ben Affleck's career, and all these sorts of things. He's an upstanding American. Uh, yeah. No reason to to prosecute. And then, coincidentally, several months later, <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's lawyer decided, this is a guy who knows right from wrong. We should give him money. Now, that was part one of the story. Part two of the story is it's now emerged that the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, Uh-oh. has put a stop to an investigation into the handling of the Weinstein case by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. Coincidentally, at the same time that David Yowboy's law firm gave Cuomo's campaign $25,000. Ah, so a governor costs 25000 Is it a governor? Yeah. Yeah, governor, governor. costs 25000 and a lawyer costs 10000 Okay, I'm writing all this down. Yeah, and I think if you look up those prices uh, on Alibaba... <laughs> Uh, Jack Ma's <laughs> website. That's why Jack Ma's a billionaire. He's got all these prices on there. You'll see that that's pretty much on point. Nice. Um, so, look, I, I just I was happy for Harvey Weinstein to know that he, all of this wealth uh, was not in vain. Because sometimes they say you can't take it with you. And he has taken it with him into the dark underworld where he now lives and uh, right. is still able to use it. So there's, there's some hope there for rich sexual harass alleged sexual harassers uh trev i, I just find it strange to argue on this one with me well i do actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> well an initial point so vance is a district attorney and so the money was given to him presumably for his election fund i believe something like that Yes. You know, why do you elect district attorneys in America? I, I don't understand this electing of of that sort of official. I think like, some of them are. It's like local sheriffs. In some places, they're, they're, they are elected as opposed to being appointed. This is the craziness of the American system. What You're just asking You have for judges over there. Judges have to be... Some, ju- some judges are elected. Yeah, if, you, uh, if fa- people are fans of The Wire... Like I am, um, that's one of the storylines in there is the judges have to stand for re-election and they need to raise money to campaign. <laughs> so, so this is where the system Great scenario so... where you get judges that have to get voted in. <laughs> so you've got a broken system there. It's, it's completely broken. Yeah, I mean, what it's... other country in the world does that? I, I, I can't think of any, you know, civilised well, society. Well, it answers the questions... Well, you keep the, you keep using that word civilized. I wish you wouldn't. Um, it's just why we're better, I think, is um, what you're looking for. Yeah. So that's um, you know, it's not the only. Of. It's not the only story that Mr. Vance has been involved in. Um, There's been another report. This is about a year old, where Vance, the Manhattan District Attorney, declined to prosecute Ivanka Trump and Donald Trump Jr. After Uh-oh. Trump's attorney, Mark Kazovitz, gave Vance's campaign $25,000. Coincidence. Sheer coincidence. 
Yeah, no, there's no, nothing smelly about that at all that I can see. <laughs> uh, I don't know really what this is all. I don't know what the big deal is here. Uh, you know, yeah, just uh, that's just uh, it's just capitalism, right? We should keep an eye on this lawyer. Uh, actually, all these players to see if anybody a year from now is in jail, in in court, at trial or whatever. I mean, you know, just do a little bit of follow through. I mean, this is blatant. It blatantly illegal, and it would be nice to know that somebody is going to pay because some publication or a reporter or whatever had the courage to uh, to come out with this um, and put it out there. You, I don't know if you've heard about uh, who's that guy, Ron Farrow, if I'm saying his name right, who actually had information on Harvey Weinstein, wanted to put it out, and NBC wouldn't let him. So he left, went somewhere else, and was able to break the case open. So, uh, yeah, again... Uh, kudos to places like that that actually dig in there, find this information out, and make it make it public. So hopefully somebody pays a price for all this blatant illegal actions. By the way, Cyrus Vance Jr., the Manhattan District Attorney, is the son of the uh, former Secretary of State, Cyrus Vance, uh, passed ah. away in 2002. Secretary of State under Jimmy Carter. Deputy Secretary of Defense under Lyndon Johnson. Uh, Secretary of the mm. Army under both JFK and Lyndon Johnson. So, nice. uh, yeah, this His guy... dad would be proud. <laughs> sure he would be proud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Cam, there is uh, there was some justification for Cuomo cancelling the investigation of Vance, and that is because Weinstein could petition and question uh, that investigation about Vance and get information that maybe he shouldn't have had. So that was Cuomo's reason for for cancelling that investigation, so as to stop Weinstein getting extra information. So he had a legitimate reason. As well as he and, appreciated yeah, and the money. 25,000 uh, yes. legitimate reasons from what I can see. <laughs> Just trying, trying to provide but some the, alternative uh, arguments for you, Cam. Well, the other part of this is when, with the, if you're Vance and you, and you shut down the investigation, or if you're Cuomo and you shut down the investigation, and then that person's law firm tries to give you money, where is not the intelligence to go, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll take um, something in cash and unmarked bills, but don't make an official contribution to my campaign that I have to, to publicly disclose. I mean, that's just stupidity, but because they probably get away with it so often for so long, they thought they would here. So if you're going to, if you, I mean, just be a, if you're going to be a criminal, it's my motto, be a smart criminal, do it right, do your homework. Uh, and these guys are just making mistakes that they probably think they could get away with. Yeah, I do note that uh, the the Cuomo uh, staffers have come out and said, the Attorney General's investigation was suspended to avoid situations in which Weinstein's defense attorneys will be able to constantly petition the Attorney General's office for information about what they uncovered and undermine a criminal prosecution. But why take $25,000 from the law firm uh, at the same time is what I would ask. Surely, in this day and age, uh, you would be looking carefully at campaign donations, who they're coming from, who they're associated with, and going, do we really think it's appropriate for us to be taking these funds from this person at this time? 
Trev, I agree, I agree with you. <laughs> Look, I agree with you. That's just the whole point. The, the system's broken when you're accepting campaign donations, you know, and the, that's, that's your initial problem. Cuomo's order to halt the investigation into the handling of this whole thing came six days after <laughs> boys... Not law firm gave him twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, well, that was the stipulation. You had to wait for the. Had to wait for the check to clear. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, America! What the fuck? Um, and last story again, batting to America, um, just quickly because we're out of time. Louis C.K. Speaking of disgraced uh, 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 celebrities. Louis C.K. is back doing stand-up, apparently. Um, sort of been nine or ten months since uh, the Louis C.K. scandal broke uh, yeah. for people who don't remember. And just because I like talking about it, um, <laughs> he was accused by a variety of women of inviting them back into his wow. hotel room where he would jerk off, mm-hmm. come on his own chubby white pink hairy belly in front of them that's hot uh really without their uh, permission uh, uh they were sitting there just slightly terrified i think and grossed out yeah uh but he was back doing stand up at the comedy cellar uh last week and uh how should we feel about that ray um I, as, as a as a as a chubby white yeah. man, balding white man, uh, do you do you uh, who likes masturbation? Do you, are you are, do you sympathise with Louis? It's uh, first of all, I don't like it. It's a hobby. There's a difference. Second of all, um, this is America, and he is going to be judged lightly because he's an entertainer. He is going to get away with this. Um, I don't personally think that he should, but he is going to get away with this. Not that he should be out of the business for like 50 years or anything like that. But still, I mean, now we know something about this person and I'm going to find him less funny. I'm going to be put off by him, but I think he's going to ease back into it, get back his, eventually get back a show because he can make money for somebody, get back into the movies and he's going to be fine. He just has to go through the first 10 minutes of being embarrassed about re-emerging onto the public stage. I think he's going to get away with it. I think he's going to be fine. But eight to ten months is not enough punishment, especially when he wasn't really punished and he's a millionaire. I'm sure he relaxed for the last eight or ten months. And and now it's over with. He can go back. Um, and you know what? America being what it is a year from now, I bet people are going to forget and it's all going to be back the way it was. Interestingly, according to reports of this show, which was supposedly a surprise appearance, it was unannounced, even the club owner claims he didn't know it was going to happen, to which I go, <laughs> um, Yeah, really. Uh, apparently, Louis didn't mention anything about his uh, sexual harassment. No shit. Whatever you want to call that. I'm not sure. Is that sexual harassment? Is it mind rape? It I is. don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> sexual misconduct, I guess, uh, can be summarized as. Didn't mention anything about it. I assumed that when he came back, and I always assumed he would come back, it he would have yeah. to he would have to build that in. Yes, how do my, you not? My Christopher Walken came out a little bit there. He would have to build that into his routine. Um, yeah. Apparently, no, he didn't. Didn't mention it at all. And I think he even made a bit of a rape joke uh, in there, uh, oh, rape shit. whistle joke. Anyway. Um, 
But uh, look, uh, uh, Chrissy and I have talked about this over the weekend. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure whether or not this is okay for him to come back. I think it is. I'll tell you why, and then Trev, you can you can retort. Um, look, what what Louis did was horrible, and um, I'm glad he was outed. I'm glad he has been embarrassed. I don't think it was illegal what he did, so I don't know that there's a punishment involved. But, I mean, he has been punished. He lost his TV show. He hasn't been able to work for the better part of his years. His film that was coming, that had come out at the time, obviously massively uh, flopped, and he probably put a lot of his own money into that as he funds most of his own films these days. Um, and and just personally, I mean, his his personal reputation, his re- his relationship with his daughters, uh, his children has got to be absolutely irre- irrevocably uh, scarred as a result of this. Um, and I'm sure he's gone through a lot of shame and will continue to go through it. That said, guy is a genius. Uh, his his show, his stand up. Uh, have have been absolutely groundbreaking and absolutely brilliant and deserved of all of the accolades that they've received over the last five or six years. And I guess my 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 ethical concern of supporting the art of somebody who has done bad things in the past is whether or not by supporting their art. Uh, moving forwards, you are enabling them to continue to do bad things. I have no doubt. No, you're not. Yeah, I have yeah, no doubt that Bill Clinton is still doing bad things. I have no doubt that Harvey Weinstein, if he if if it all went away and he was back in his old position, would continue to do bad things. Um, with Louis, though, I mean, I can't imagine that any woman who Louis says, hey, you want to come back to my hotel room for a bit, is going to say yes unless she wants to see him jerk off on his own stomach. I mean, and in which case, you know, I think that's fine. If she knows what she's getting herself in, it's concerning, that's fine. But uh, I can't see that by allowing him to work again, there is any damage that is going to be caused, or he is. We are enabling more because it's it's out there now. It's not. He's not the kind of power figure that a Harvey Weinstein or a Bill Clinton is or was. Um, but it's a tricky situation. Trev, look, I think it's up to each individual person who who was a fan to decide whether they're grossed out enough by it that they just can't watch him anymore so it's really up to each one as to how that affects their view of him so for some of them it will be that they can't stand the idea of being in the same room as him and they don't want to attend anymore and good luck to them and others will forgive it's really a personal thing um as to venues um or production companies, they you know they might decide. Look, we can't make money from you now because you've damaged your reputation so badly. And good luck to them; they can make that decision. Um, if he, for example, uh, wants to hire out a concert hall or a venue or something like that, then and and he pays for it up front and collects the money, and there's no risk for the venue hire people, then then they should be providing the venue and they shouldn't be sort of discriminating against him. It's, it's, up, to, uh, it's up to him to, to get the clientele and it's up to people to show up. So I'm sort of, I'm always a bit wary of, uh, you know, we have a judicial system that punishes people and 
I don't think in his case he was punished through the court system, or at least not yet. But that's what we have a court system for, and it's not really up to society to then say, oh, I'm not happy with what the court system did, we need further punishment and he should be banned from hiring venues or having television shows or, or that sort of thing. I, I'm very wary of, of society sort of imposing extra penalties above and beyond what might be done through the court system. So, so really up to each person to decide whether, they're, whether they still like him or not. So, and... You know, as an analogy, for example, we had a case in Australia recently where there was a child molester who applied for a job with an insurance company and he disclosed his criminal record and they offered him a job, but then after offering the job, they then looked closer at the criminal record and said, ooh, well, we don't want to give you this job anymore. And um, it was a job where he was actually going to be working at home. So he had no contact with children. There was nothing to do with the... um, his criminal record, it just would be irrelevant to his job. And he successfully appealed um, and got compensation. And, you know, I think that was right, that, you know, you've you've done your time, you've received your penalty, you shouldn't be further penalised for things that you've done. So, you know, I'm, it's up to people whether they want to pay the money and go and see him or not. And, and good luck to him, yeah, whichever way that falls. To. Yeah, mm. and that's what's going to happen. He's going to get the point is he's going to get a chance to make come back to see if he can come back. Um, uh, but those women have to live with that for the rest of their lives. So, so he certainly won't be getting any of my money um, for the rest of his career. Wow, Trev! If he does a new TV show, will you watch it? I've never watched any of his stuff, um, <sighs> but I wouldn't because it would gross me out. Like. Uh, um, well, for example, uh, Kim, I used to be a fan of Jack Reacher novels, and when the author sold out and put Tom Cruise in as the character to play Jack Reacher, that was it for me. I was grossed out, and I haven't, I haven't bought a novel or watched a movie ever since because I just can't stand the thought of Tom Cruise Tom playing Cruise's the part. Face. So, so yeah. I'm easily grossed out. But you know, um, I guess this guy takes it to another level. <laughs> Well, the um, the owner of the comedy cellar where Louis appeared said um, he was surprised that Louis had re-emerged so quickly. I didn't think it was going to happen as soon as it did. I had thought that the first time he'd go on would be in a more controlled environment, but he decided to just rip the Band-Aid off, which is hopefully how Louis's now getting his sexual thrills rather than <laughs> jerking off on his belly in front of people. That's the show. I've got places to be. Thank you, Trev, for being our uh, special surprise guest this week, The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. I highly recommend it. It's one of the very few podcasts outside of uh, my own that I listen to on a regular basis uh, because it's always entertaining and it always ends in me yelling at my iPhone uh, out of disagreement (laughs) with the boys, uh, which is good. I enjoy that. Um, Thank you, Ray, for your uh, mm-hmm. inestimable, inestimable contributions. I think that As I can, always. I can't even estimate what you did to prepare for this. Uh, too, too big, too massive. Well, no, I was thinking <laughs> too small. I can't come up with a number the small enough. But, um, All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, uh, yeah, bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> There's music. Wait for the music. Don't be a cunt.